Hi, this is Mike Delavan and Mike Posey, and, and you're, you're listening, listening to Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. Hi, everyone, and welcome. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. It's Sunday, February 18th, and this, this is your Sunday sermon. Today is part seven in our series, Discipleship Matters, and I've titled the message, A Disciple Follows Jesus No Matter What. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 26, and Matthew 4, verses 19 to 22 are going to be our main scripture verses. I'll tell you more in a moment, but right now, join me in a word of prayer. Almighty and most merciful Heavenly Father, thank you for this amazing opportunity we have to hear from your word today. Lord, teach us about the commitment that we need to make as a disciple of yours, that we need to follow you no matter what. And I thank you in advance for all of this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen and Amen. Now, I've included in today's description a link to a YouTube video of Dr. Shadrach Meshach Lockridge. Isn't that the best name ever? He is just an amazing preacher, and he preached a sermon that included a what's come to be called That's My King segment. And I want you to really take a moment right now, pause this video and go watch that, listen to it, and just, it's an amazing journey. You're going to see different things that are going to pop up and just really get in your mind. I've seen this video many, many times over the years, and I've actually played it during a couple of our services through the years as well. And there's different sections once you listen to it, there's different phrases that are going to pop out and they're going to really jump up in your mind. I had a couple of them that really inspired me. One of them is, I wish I could describe him to you. The way Dr. Lockridge says that is just amazing. He also says he's indescribable, speaking of Jesus. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. And the list goes on. So why wouldn't we want to follow Jesus? After knowing him through the new birth, why wouldn't we want to be disciples who make disciples by gathering, growing, giving, and going with the gospel, all for the glory of God? Over the last two weeks, we've looked carefully at each word of Luke 9, 23, which says, He said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. We summarize the last two sermons this way. Salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. After we considered the call to discipleship, we studied three of the four conditions of discipleship. The first we talked about is desire, and we said that a person must desire to be a disciple. That's the first part of Luke 9.23, if anyone wants to be my follower. The second condition of discipleship is denial. This is a call to deny self. You must give up your own way, Jesus said. And last week, our focus was on the third condition of discipleship, death. We see this in the next phrase, take up your cross daily. After desiring, denying, and dying to self, there's one more condition, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Discipleship condition number four is devotion, and we'll see it in the last phrase of verse 23, and follow me. Now the word and, it indicates a continuance from the conditional clauses which we've already addressed. It could be translated as also. While the demands of discipleship are difficult, the key is to focus on the word me, meaning he, as in Jesus. When we consider the invincibility of Christ and his irresistible call on our lives, we'll want a desire to line up with his, we'll gladly deny ourselves, we'll joyfully take up our cross daily, and we'll be intent on following him because we are so devoted. We begin with the word me because we need to know who is calling us to follow. Here are four pictures of Jesus as found in Matthew 1, 1. 
This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. The first picture of Jesus is his name. The name Jesus means Savior. He's come to save us from our sins. The next name for Jesus in that verse is Messiah. Messiah comes from the Hebrew word Mashiach, meaning the anointed one or the chosen one. The third name is a descendant of David. Jesus is from the kingly line of David. And lastly, Jesus is a descendant of Abraham. His genealogy goes all the way back to Abraham, the father of God's people. We talked about Abraham a lot this week during midweek Bible study as well. I'd encourage you to check out that study online. Other pictures from the first chapters of Matthew include Jesus is fully human and fully divine. He is sovereign over the wise and shepherd of the weak. He's the king and the righteous judge. He is filled with God's spirit and loved by God the Father. He is the light of the world and the hope of all nations. Now, let's go to the last book of the Bible, Revelation, where we find over 35 names and titles of Jesus. In Revelation chapter 1 alone, there are 10 names and or titles of Jesus. Let me share them with you. Revelation 1.1, Jesus Christ. Revelation 1.5, the faithful witness, also in verse 5, the first to rise from the dead, again in verse 5, the ruler of all the kings of the world. In Revelation 1.8, there are three more references, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and also the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. And lastly, in verse 8, the Almighty One. Then in verse 13, Jesus is referred to as the Son of Man. In verse 17, the first and the last. And in Revelation 1.18, the living one who died. When Jesus calls us to follow him, we must feel the weight and the wonder of the one who's speaking. When we do, we'll see that he is worthy of all glory, along with our total abandonment and supreme adoration. We can't be half-hearted or ho-hum about his holiness when the holy God in the flesh is saying, follow me. In a very challenging sermon called Follow Me, Pastor David Platt says, Once you come into contact with the King of the Universe in the flesh, the Savior King of the nations, the light of the world, and he reaches down into your dead, cold heart and saves you from the clutches of your sin and gives you new life, things are going to look different. When you respond to this me, when you follow this Christ, everything changes about your life. To leave behind, lay down, abandon everything in your life makes no sense until you realize who Jesus is. But when you realize who he is, when you realize who Christ the King is, laying down, leaving behind, and abandoning everything is the only thing that makes sense. Now the word follow, it comes from the prefix indicating union and the word meaning path, road, or journey. It literally means to walk the same road with. In other words, we're to keep on constantly and continually following Jesus. When Jesus said, follow me, he's giving an invitation. Join me in my path, he's saying. Join me in my journey. If we choose to follow, it means we're all about going where he goes because he's the leader and we're all about doing what he does because he's Lord. We could say it like this, hear and do the will of the one who goes ahead of us. One pastor offers this helpful word picture. The chart of the true disciple directs him to renounce every path of his own choosing, that he may put his feet into the print of his leader's footsteps. Notice the personal aspect of this when Jesus said, follow me. It's all about a relationship with the Savior, not a system of rules or rituals. Discipleship is a relationship where we are invited to be close to Jesus, to obey his teachings, to take the same path he takes, and to walk the same road he walked. You know what's interesting? 
it was not common for a rabbi to call people to follow him. Rather, pupils or followers would ask rabbis if they could hang out with him. With Jesus, this is different because his call is to deny self, take up your cross daily, and follow him. And without any hesitation, that's what the disciples did. And it's what we're to do today. Related to this, Jesus never came up to anyone and said, hey, accept me. Instead, he said, follow me. Unfortunately, some of us are like the guy described in this poem by Dan Atkins titled, If It Don't Rain. It's written from the perspective of a man expressing his commitment to a woman. This is what Atkins writes. I would climb the highest mountain, swim the deepest ocean too. I would crawl the hottest desert. I'd do anything for you. I would leap the tallest building. I'd bear any trial or pain. And there's no limit to my love. I'll be over Friday night if it don't rain. A disciple is one who follows Jesus no matter what, even if it rains or snows. If you search the four Gospels for the words follow me, you'll find it was used 22 times by my count. Now we're going to walk through these passages to see that following Christ was never meant to be casual. Here we go. Matthew 4:19. After seeing Simon and Andrew fishing, it says in verse 19, Jesus called them out, Come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. The common command in Jesus' initial encounter with his disciples was follow me. These four fishermen abandoned what they had to follow Christ, with James and John leaving a family business to help mend broken lives. One pastor summarized it this way, Jesus only asks us to give up one thing to follow him, and that's everything. You cannot be nominally committed to Christ, he said. Matthew 8.22 is next. Here Jesus is talking about the cost of discipleship, and he tells one of his disciples, Follow me now. Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Matthew 9, 9. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Matthew 10, 38. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Matthew 19, 21. Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Matthew 19, 27. Then Peter said to him, we've given up everything to follow you. Mark 1, 17. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. Mark 2, 14. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Mark 8:34. Then calling to the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Mark 10:21. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Luke 5:27. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. Luke 9.23, which has been our main scripture for the past several weeks. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Luke 9.59, he said to another person, come follow me. Luke 14.27, and if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Luke 18.22, when Jesus heard his answer, he said, there is still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. John 1.43 The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. John 8.12 
Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. John 10, 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. John 12, 26. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. And lastly, John chapter 21, verses 19 and 22. After restoring Peter and explaining how Peter was going to die in verse 19, Jesus told him, follow me. As Peter looked around, he noticed John and asked Jesus what his plans were for him. Once again, Jesus put Peter in his place in verse 22. If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. A disciple is one who follows Jesus no matter what. I appreciate Pastor David Platt's summary of what it means to follow Christ. He writes, To follow Jesus is to live with radical abandonment for his glory. To follow Jesus is to live with joyful dependence on his grace. To follow Jesus is to live with faithful adherence to his person. To follow Jesus is to live with urgent obedience to his mission. It's easy to add Jesus like we add friends on Facebook. It's much more difficult to be a full-fledged follower. Jesus is not an app that you can just add to your life. Because he's Lord, he wants your whole life. Are you willing to renounce every person, every possession, and especially yourself in order to follow Christ? Will you put your faith over your family, over everything else that's been first in your life? Is there something maybe that's keeping you from following Jesus fully? Luke 14:33 says, So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. After the call to discipleship and the four conditions listed in Luke 9.23, desire, denial, death, and devotion, Jesus concludes with three cautions in verses 24 to 26. Let's read them together. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you yourself are lost or destroyed? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. So let's look at those three cautions individually. First, if you only focus on your own life, you're going to lose it. That's the caution number one. Verse 24 reads, if you try to hang on to your own life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, Jesus said, you'll save it. If you try to hold on to what you have, you're going to miss what Jesus wants to give you. The person who seeks to save his life by not denying self in the short run will lose his life in the end. I turned to Platt again, who said, Don't buy it. Some of you have bought it. The idea that all you need to do is make a decision and pray a prayer, and you can keep your life as you know. It's not true, Platt said. You become a follower of Jesus, and you lose your life as you know it. When you settle the surrender issue and commit to follow Christ at any cost, you're going to end up saving your own life, beloved. We would do well to adopt the Apostle Paul's purpose statement from Acts chapter 20, verse 24. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. C.S. Lewis once said, Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself. My own shall become yours. When we lose what has always been so important to us, we end up finding what we've been searching for all along. Speaking of those who are completely committed to Christ, Revelation 12 verse 11 says, 
and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. I'm reminded of the words of Jim Elliott, a missionary who was martyred in Ecuador, who said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Incidentally, he wrote those words when he was in his 20s. The second caution is, if you only lock into your own success, you'll lose your soul. Jesus asks a probing question in verse 25, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but are yourself lost or destroyed? Jesus is using economic terms here, profit, gain, loss, and forfeit. You could gain everything and lose your very soul. You could make a lot of money and still end up in hell. Here's the question to ponder. Will I spend my life for the Savior or will I waste my life on this world? One Sunday afternoon, Henry Ironside was preaching on a San Francisco street corner. He was challenged by an atheist, a leader of the old international workers of the world, the IWW movement, to debate on Christianity versus atheism. Before a crowd of three or 400 people, he accepted the challenge, adding, however, that he had one condition. The atheist must present at least two bona fide witnesses who had been saved from lives of disgrace and degradation by their belief, while he would provide no less than 100 who had been saved from the same state by the gospel of Christ. Hurriedly, the atheist declined the terms and left to the delight of the crowd. Jesus Christ changes lives today, and he does so through demanding discipleship. Remember this, beloved, it's costly to follow Christ, but the price is worth paying. And here's the third and final caution. If you're ashamed of Christ, he'll be ashamed of you. Look at verse 26. If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. There is a cost to discipleship, beloved, but there's an even greater cost to not following Jesus. We're called to confess Christ and not be ashamed of him, which is really difficult nowadays in our culture, and it will continue in the months and years to come. One way to confess and profess Christ is through believers' baptism. Let's not shrink back from the Savior or waffle with his words as we live in this adulterous and sinful generation. Don't bail on the one who will never fail you. It's time for the church to be the church, to be bold in our witness and loving in our gospel presentations. A disciple is one who follows Jesus no matter what. I want to bring this sermon to a close today, and I'm going to use Pastor Platt's conclusion. This is what he said. I hope it has been clear that to follow Jesus will cost you everything now, but he's worth it. But it's death to self. It's new life in him, but there's a cost. You can mark it down. There will be costs for all who truly follow after this Christ in this world. It will not be easy. It may cost you your life to live with urgent obedience to this mission. But I want to propose that the cost of non-discipleship is far, far greater. Because for many who sit back in a cultural veneer of Christianity without knowing Christ, there will be eternal consequences. Not just then, though, but now. To sit back in casual, comfortable Christianity is to miss out on the joy and the peace and the thrill and the satisfaction that comes from truly knowing Jesus from the Bible and following the Jesus of the Bible with all your art. You lose your life and you find life. But if we don't, we miss life in Christ. So the consequences, the cost, will be great for us, and the cost will be great for the world. For 6,000-plus people groups who will continue without ever hearing the gospel while those who have the gospel sit back and coast it through until they get to heaven. There is a steep cost to cultural, nominal Christianity in the world. So I urge you, Platt says, I urge you to live with radical abandonment for his glory. 
joyful dependence of his grace, faithful adherence to his person, and urgent obedience to his mission until we see the face of me we have been beckoning to follow. I'd like to finish today with a benediction over you. Hebrews 13, verses 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.